2: Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. My co-host Larry Dersham and I did not need to look very far to bring you our headlining story of this week which is, of course, the Dobbs decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, we wish we could talk about that with you all night, because, of course, that's been the the talking point of the week, and I would say of the entire term of the Supreme Court session. But we have two very fascinating guests that we're going to welcome into the conversation. Larry, who's first up on the line?
3: Uh, Yes, Wendy. Our first guest is Richard P. Pete Hutchinson. He's dedicated 30 years serving the conservative movement with Landmark Legal Foundation. Pete has been in the trenches for some of the most important public policy issues of the last quarter century school choice, judicial taxation, labor union political coercion, EPA, IRS, and other federal agency overreach and abuses, voter integrity, and numerous other cases that reach into the Supreme Court. Pete has served as Landmark's general counsel for 20 years and most recently has also acted as the foundation's executive vice president. Pete is proud to succeed his longtime friend and Landmark colleague, Mark Levin, who we all heard about and just really love as Landmark's new president. So welcome to the show, Pete.
4: Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Pete, because we both know, all three of us are aware of all your great work in numerous U.S. Supreme Court cases that deal with constitutional issues. I have to dive right in and ask you what your reaction was to the Supreme Court, basically saying not only is the right to abortion not a constitutional right, but shouldn't have been recognized as such for 50 years. What did you think about all of that, or did you just see this coming?
4: Well, it's absolutely correct decision. It it, uh, it states what should have been obvious 50 years ago, when the uh, then Supreme Court cooked up a constitutional right to abortion, uh, which has led to the murder of millions of babies and, and uh, entrenched political discord in our country. That was a terrible decision. Today's decision writes the path and sends the issue back to the people in the uh, the various states to be dealt with in such a way that uh, uh, it should have been all along. So it's a great decision. You know, it wasn't a surprise because of the leak. um, But it's very important to understand the difference between uh, yes, uh, let's see the uh, decision uh, two days ago, I guess, of the uh, regarding the uh, Second Amendment, and then yesterday's abortion case, where you have the the uh, progressive left freaking out about a the court upholding a constitutional right that is actually right there in uh, black and white in the Constitution, and uh, how terrible that is, and 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 then freaking out. Because a, a so-called constitutional right that's nowhere to be found in the Constitution or the history of the country uh, has been has been set aside, so they've got it exactly backward. But the court has got it exactly right, and we are—it's morning in America, as far as I can observe. Yes, uh, Yes, Pete. Uh, in
3: 2016, Landmark Election Integrity Project was launched, and I understand yes. the foundation's focus on that project for ensuring that only eligible U.S. citizens register to vote and that only legitimate votes are counted uh, is still going on. So what's the status of that project, and what do you think about voter ID? Should we require it?
4: Well, you know, voter ID at the polls is an important tool, but a more important tool Uh, is uh, confirming citizenship and your identification when you register to vote. And uh, uh, the state of California is actually why we got uh, focused on this issue in 2016, because in California, uh, the state law there prohibits uh, voter registration people from talking to, uh, say, the uh, Department of Transportation where where, uh, driver's licenses are issued. So you cannot and, – and, you know, you can get a license out there if you're, if you're uh, here illegally uh, and you can register to vote, but the secretary of state is not allowed to know who registered to vote at the same time they got a non-citizen's driver's license, which mm-hmm. is absolutely outrageous. So that's what got us started on this issue, and voter ID is an important component. The main thing there is that states – are given the authority under the u.s constitution to enact those kinds of protections if they want to or not if they don't and that's part of our project as well is upholding state rights uh, to to protect their their local elections as they see fit
2: you know pete you make a great point on states rights and that's actually you know what the I, i almost called it the road decision what the dobbs decision did is not outlaw abortion in the United States, but simply make it a state-by-state decision. You know, the day prior, the gun rights case, you know, the the New York law that was struck down, um, basically said not really the same thing But in stating that—and you got to love Clarence Thomas for how passionate he is about this issue—basically in saying the Second Amendment means what it says, it's not Second Amendment plus governmental regulation, one thing that was really emphasized that I'd love to hear your view on is that when we're interpreting these laws, we're not interpreting them in favor of the government— we're basically saying, no, it's not the citizens' burden to prove that they can avail themselves of constitutional rights. It's the government's burden to prove their regulations are reasonable.
4: That's absolutely right. And, you know, the, the New York law is so outrageous. Uh, you know, oh, it was 100 years old. Well, that's true, but it's been outrageous the whole long time. The, the uh, What Justice Thomas said is, look, you have a right not only to keep arms, but to bear arms, and he goes to great lengths to talk about the history, and uh, even cites to uh, the terrible Dred Scott decision, and Justice Tony in that case talking about how, oh gosh, if we let black people be citizens, uh, then they'll be able to carry guns around, and won't that be terrible? So, so it, it, he the, the case or the decision restores or or uh, makes clear that that you have a right to keep and bear arms, and therefore governments do not have the authority to restrict in an unreasonable fashion that right. And in New York, it was almost, their law made it nearly impossible for anyone to get a concealed carry permit. And so people who live in crime-ridden neighborhoods are forced to uh, you know, essentially be on their own with, with no guns, when they're walking to work and home. And uh, the the only people with guns are the people who have them illegally. So that is uh, the good news of that case. And uh, you're right, it just did restore a fundamental constitutional right
3: well uh, Pete I know i 'm kind of jumping over to the border issue, and I know that sure. uh, landmark legal's involved in that, but in my opinion there 's no enforcement or very little enforcement at all, and I think it 's on purpose really the fact that they 're bringing these people in and then dispersing them throughout the United States in the middle of the night and yeah. uh it's very cynical what they're doing. And I know you're also working with angel families to kind of bring them some justice. The, those families that where they've suffered a loss of a loved one because of a, a somebody that shouldn't even be in our country has hurt them. So could you uh, update us on what Landmark is doing along those lines?
4: Well, I'll tell you, we're involved in the Remain in Mexico case, which the Supreme Court will determine next week or decide next week. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, an important case. We're concerned that it's not going to go the right way, but, but – uh, We're frankly trying to figure out how to attack uh, the issue of, which is so prevalent in California especially, but in other uh, very liberal states, of of the sanctuary city type jurisdiction. Uh, Many of the Angel families have lost loved ones uh, as a result of local jurisdictions refusing to uh, cooperate with INS uh, or ICE, Border Patrol officials and we're trying to figure out a a way to litigate that in such a way to to vindicate the, the rights of individuals who've lost loved ones, and the authority of the federal government to enact immigration and carry out immigration laws. It's an outrage that in California again, for example, uh, many of your uh, many of the district attorneys out there will automatically downgrade charges against someone in the country, a non-citizen, whether legal or not, but if they have a if they're charged with a felony, it will automatically be reduced to a uh, misdemeanor, so as not to uh, bring about what are what are called co- uh, uh, immigration consequences. That's absolutely outrageous. You you don't get special deals if you're a black guy or a Hispanic guy or a white guy. You only get them if you're here legally here uh, and you're not a citizen. That's completely backwards.
2: You know, we're almost out of time. How can people learn more about your organization?
4: People can go to our website landmarklegal.org and uh, check out our, you know, our various uh, issues that we work on and some of our history. And you can listen to Mark Levin; he talks about us all the time, which is really great. Um, but uh, the website's the best place and. Uh, we we, we're a uh, nonprofit and uh, funded exclusively by private donations. We don't take government money. We don't ask for it. We never would. So uh, private support is where it's at for us, and uh, we're very grateful uh, for any opportunity to go before people and tell our story.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much for joining our show and thank you to our listeners. Don't touch that dial. We are going to be back in just a minute for more of today with Dr. Wendy. Hang with us. We've got a great guest on the other side of the break.
1: cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to the headline highlights on today with dr wendy on the answer san diego it's time for more news you can use the headlines Streamline. it's time for more today with dr wendy now here's your host dr wendy patrick
2: welcome back to today with dr wendy larry dersham and i have a great second half for you and it's actually going to be a guest who spent time at the Supreme Court. Here we queued off this edition with the monumental Supreme Court decision this week. And our next guest was actually there. But before I steal Larry's thunder, why don't you introduce our next guest?
3: Uh, sure, Wendy. Christopher Bedford is a senior editor at The Federalist, a founding partner of Right Forage, vice president of Young Americans for Freedom, a board member at The Daily Caller News Foundation and National Journalism Center, and the author of the book, The Art of the Donald. His work has been featured in The American Mind, National Review, The New York Post, and The Daily Caller, where he led The Daily Caller News Foundation, a frequent guest on fox news and fox business he is he was raised in massachusetts and he now lives across the river in the district of columbia welcome to the program chris
5: it's great to be here
2: chris i have to dive right in and ask you what was it like to be at the supreme court yesterday when the opinion came down
5: it was slow to get started. Well, first off, thanks for having me. What a, what a day Friday was, but it was it was slow to get started, and it began at a little bit muted with a mixture of pro-life folks and pro-abortion folks who were there. Um, and as the day went on, though, and the word spread, and people got out of work, or people left work, uh, the the crowd started to grow. I I feels like this, the the daytime was a little bit muted because so many people, but the decision was leaked. Uh, it was kind of a shock to so many of the pro-lifers that were down there that that their the decision wasn't changed that it came out largely unadultered and still using very strong language. There's a feeling of frustration amongst the pro-abortion folks and, and maybe a bit of impotent rage uh, and, and and by mid-afternoon they they seriously outnumbered the anti-abortion protesters.
3: well, did they have uh, when you were there, did they have the Supreme Court kind of fenced off for protection of the building and the people inside?
5: Oh, yes, absolutely. And for the last couple months, uh, living on Capitol Hill mostly, every single day that there's been a Supreme Court decision uh, or decision to have been handed out, police have been out in force. And since the leak in particular, the Supreme Court has been barricaded off with heavy fencing and with deputies uh, on the scene at all times. Uh, today, uh, Friday was no different when they had a pretty heavy police presence barricades up, a lot of different places you can't walk and you can't move through, just to try and keep the crowds funneled and contained.
3: Well, Chris, I'm going to change the topic just a little bit. In your bio, it states that you are a founding partner of RightForge. Could you explain to our listeners what RightForge is, what it does, and why it's needed? Uh, And is it the goal of basically to set up a second Internet
5: Essentially, yes. The goal is to set up a second Internet. And, and we were founded right after Amazon Web Services deplatformed the social media company Parler because they accused them falsely of being somehow, somehow having anything to do with the January 6th riot. They took them offline. They destroyed a company that was the number one downloaded application on the planet at that time, and they did it without any oversight. And we realized at that point the Internet server technology, the basis, the foundation, basically the highway that the Internet drives on, has now become politicized, and it's something that needs to be free. Now, we're not a particularly political company, except that I guess it's become political to stand with the Bill of Rights and say that people have a right to freedom of speech, people have a right to express their opinions, regardless of what those opinions are. So we got that started, and the pressure has not gone off. Uh, for example, after the Texas passed its abortion restrictions laws, the... The Texas Right to Life organization was deplatformed by GoDaddy, and they came under attack from hackers. We jumped in right away and beat off the hackers, got them back online, and we've been working with pro-life groups and other groups right now that are coming under attack from corporate America and trying to make sure that they can still get up there and that this second Internet uh, will exist and still stand for free expression.
3: Oh, great. Yeah,
2: You know, Chris, what would you recommend? I know that... The rest of that—that's really gained a lot of attention as to you know where can where can conservatives go to chat to to talk to not be either deplatformed or canceled uh, expressing their opinions. I know people had a lot of hope for Twitter uh, when Elon Musk wanted to buy it, but since that's not you know final as of yet, where would you recommend?
5: Well, one of our uh, clients who we work very closely with is Truth Social, President Trump's organization uh, with TMTG, and that's a place where folks are able to communicate with free from that kind of political censorship that they've seen in Twitter. Uh, Twitter itself has been an interesting game where Elon Musk, when he first announced his intention to buy it, they they seemed to pull their fingers off the switches and the buttons. Conservatives started to get more likes. There started to be less bans. But as you mentioned, as it started to falter that deal, well, a lot of those bans and censorship ideas came back. But this past week has shown some serious gains. For example, the, the board of Twitter putting unanimously, unanimously to go ahead with the deal with Elon Musk. So it's actually looking fairly bright. So I think there's a lot of different places folks can go, but true social uh, and hopefully a future Twitter will both be spots where the Internet, once again, is what it originally was founded to do, be something that interconnects us, something where we can share, something where we can become a community and not just siloed off places.
3: Uh, Chris, in a recent article you wrote in The Federalist, you said there's a reason DC Democrats are always winning even when they lose could you please explain to our listeners what you mean by that
5: a lot of the Democratic Party is pushing, they're, they're willing to push forward no matter what. Republicans often come to Washington, D.C. basically to add a cap onto the end of a business career or some other kind of career and to say, look, and now I've become a congressman. They generally don't want to rock the boat. Uh, a lot of Democratic politicians come to D.C. in order to, with the idea of they want to be activists. They want to change the world. So when Nancy Pelosi lost her majority, famously, back in 2010, she got to sit back there and say, oh, no, I lost the majority, and Republicans did all they wanted to. But with that majority, she had changed the country. She had nationalized about a sixth of the economy under Obamacare, or essentially nationalized it. She changed the, our entire relationship with the government. What can Republicans point to when they have that, that kind of majority? Usually very little, except, of course, for the, the judges, which has come to Come to pass with the Dobbs decision, which I would say is probably the greatest victory in the American conservative movement since the defeat of the Soviet Union, and maybe even more important to our national identity. Uh, So that's been a win for them, but generally, Democrats come here to change the world. Nancy Pelosi and her new majority with Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, they're willing to take those risks. They're willing to put their members at risk in order to push their agenda. And because of that, that mentality, that, that fight that they have in them, oftentimes, even when they lose elections, they make a big impact. And Republicans too often end up fighting a rearguard action.
2: You know, speaking of uh, agendas, I was just curious as to whether you'd been following the, any of the J-6 hearing, and uh, if so, how you thought that it was going. You may tell me you haven't been watching it, but surely you have an opinion about the propriety of holding this hearing to begin with.
5: No, I've been keeping track of it, and that the hearings are doing terribly. The, the first night had millions of viewers, but less so than primetime otherwise would. And there's some reasons for that. One, it's just a rehashing, because the Democratic Party right now is running on fumes. They haven't given their activists what they want, so their own base is unhappy. They've upset the entire rest of the country, so that part is unhappy, which is why you see the opinion polls coming out about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris being so darn low. The January 6th hearings are an electoral tactic to try and do that, and also to hold their enemies accountable. You'll notice that, that people who cross the Democratic regime get raided by police, and people who cross. Republicans are break the law for them where they don't even usually get their day in court. Right. That's a continuation. But the folks, I think, aren't paying attention because there's no drama there. There's no Republicans who are actually honest dealers who are out there defending. There's no back and forth. The January 6th commission, uh, committee is just one person who agrees after one person who agrees after one person who agrees. They're trying to prosecute the former president based on his opinions. And that's a hard, hard line to pull. And I don't think it's going to have the impact that they've been hoping it would have in November.
3: Well, you recently said in another article that the left has made it clear that there are no civilians in the fight uh, for life, and we all need to speak out now. Do you think that um, you think we can take our country back from a comp- uh, conservative perspective?
5: It's going to take extreme work, and it's going to take the kind of work that the left wing puts in uh, all the time on the community level, on the local level. It's going to take that, because so I think if you brought back right now Our most intelligent founding fathers, whether it's James Madison or or John Adams or Benjamin Franklin, said, well, what do we do here? How do we fix this country? They would say, do you have a functioning middle class? Do you have a shared religion and value system? Do you have shared heroes? Do you have shared aspirations? Do you have a shared border and a common language? Do you have a basic idea of where you want to go and unifying national symbols? And for all those things, uh, we'd have to answer no. And I think they would look at us and say, well, then you get a monarchy. But there are some hopeful things here, because for the last 60 years, for example, the abortion decision has been decided by uh, by, 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 a hooded job, by black-robed justices. And politicians have used that to hide. Bishops have used that to hide. They've been not willing to talk about it and say, oh, it's just the law of the land. It's out of our control. Well, now if you care about that issue, if you want to end abortion or you want to continue abortion you have to know the names of your local representatives of your state senators there's no more hiding politicians actually have to decide this send it back to the people and that's the kind of victory for federalism that we want to see to the, the day if we don't get our own civil society back in order we don't get religion back in the country we don't rejuvenate our middle class well it's going to be a really hard fight hey, that's a great
2: point you know we're almost out of time we're, we're, we're almost out of time where can people find out more about your organization
5: well they can check us out at WrightForge dot com and they can read my articles at thefederalist.com, dot com and they can follow all of our writers on, on Twitter and on Truth.
3: Well, wow, thank you, Chris. That was wonderful.
5: Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you so much for for joining us, and uh, thank you to our listeners. You know, I hope everybody actually takes the time to to either read the decision, but if you don't want to spend your entire re- entire weekend reading, familiarize yourself with what the Dobbs decision actually held. And I think I'm hopeful, at least, that we can. Uh, really work together to have a peaceful weekend with peaceful protests to make sure that everybody is protected. So thank you very much for tuning in. We want to wish everybody a blessed week and we will see you back next Saturday night. You've been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. God bless you.